sure if you kept it running. Sorry, Matt. You probably had it running. I just turned it off. Turned it back on again. This is Family Life, November 12th. Right at my level.
Ford City. Man. Um, Forgiving, I'm sorry. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Fred's paying attention. I can count on Fred. Why don't you come on in? Have a seat, everyone. Good morning. Hope you had a great weekend. For all our veterans, do we have? We, I know we have several veterans in the room. We are grateful for you, for the uh, sacrifice you made in helping us as a country. Grateful for that. Thank you for the, ser the service, the years of uh, dedication you gave to us and to the country. Pray that today will be a blessed day for you, and uh, just thanking the Lord for you. We also had a great weekend. Uh, because we had the fall festival. How many of you were able to make it to the fall festival from here? I was okay. I did see the Walder family were there, and I uh, saw several others. Glad you could come on out. Hope you had a great time. We had a massive amount of people there. Traffic was crazy. I heard Jeff was up there pulling his hair out, <laughs> and uh, but it was good. It was a good time and a good showing. I don't need this anymore since you're quiet. So, um, well. I'm, thank you thank you for all those who prayed for us. Our family was out last week. We were sick. Um, but uh, for all you guys who prayed for us, we're doing well. Continue to pray for many who are still dealing with that round and bout of sickness and stomach illness and all of that. I pray that everybody get back to health here soon. But uh, it's our opportunity to share some prayer needs and some prayer requests. And uh, as you think about that, I wanna, just want to encourage and thank Thank the Lord for the guests he's brought to us. We have some, several who are with us for the first time, and we're delighted you're with us here in family life, and hope you feel right at home here with us. All right, what else can we pray for? What can we, what can we lift up for the Lord this morning for you on your behalf? Anything at all? Yeah, Kim. Well, Nate, I'll share, I'll share. I know I've talked about this in small groups, but right. Chelsea, our 10-year-old, um, when she was born, her pulmonary valve didn't fully develop, so she's had three open heart surgeries. We went to UVA for her follow-up MRI this week, and we're looking like another surgery probably in the next few weeks, a couple months, because that this is wearing out. Mm, okay. So keep her in your prayers. Yeah. Chelsea's 10? She's 10. Yes. And she's very anxious because she doesn't remember anything. Mm -hmm. She was so small before. Yeah. So this is all foreign to her. Okay. As far as the surgical part, the follow-up, she's a fine way. Sure. <laughs> 
it's the unknowns. We're all challenged with what to do in the face of an unknown. And so this is, this is good for her, but we will be praying for you too as you minister to her. Pray for little Chelsea this morning. And you'll set a date on that after you've had some yes, more meetings. Yes, they should meetings. call me this Wednesday. I'll be meeting with a circle team to develop that plan and then kind of let me know what the timeline is going to be. Okay. All right, we'll pray for Chelsea this morning. Thanks for mentioning her. Yes? Continue to pray for Rick's mom. Um, she's out there with her now. She had a stroke. And right. And we're going to be bringing her here. She's done with some of her treatments probably at the end of the month. But Is that a permanent thing, move to her? Permanently moving her or just? Not in her. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot of different challenges. So just, right. Sure. He's been gone more than he's been here. So. Yeah, right. Okay. Pray for her. Will she do like therapy here and all that? Or? Um, she's doing therapy there, so we'll know more at the end of the month when she finishes that. Okay. But she is home. She's doing home therapy. Okay. Good deal. All right. We'll lift her up this morning. Great. What else? I saw Peyton move his hand. I was like, coming at you, buddy. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Cares, yeah. Um, my sister is moving uh, back to uh, Sacramento as a family med physician, and she's just in some really liberal environments, and right now she's looking for a house. So just prayers oh. for her for a good housemate, a good location, safe neighborhood, and then just fellowship with her church. And, yes. Yeah. Does she have a church there yet? Or? She does. It's okay. A, yeah, a great church. Good. Karis, what's your sister's name? Kristen. Okay. And we'll mention her too. Thanks for bringing her up. What else? Any others? Don't, don't forget uh, Nathan Navarro, my buddy I'm trying to okay. share the gospel with. You know, pray for me and pray for the Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. We'll pray for Nathan. Okay. Others? These are good. All right. Let's go ahead and take these to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll have Pastor come. And we're in Second Corinthians again, I believe. Looks like he's uh, he's doing a survey. I'm just looking over his notes, getting a little peek, sneak peek preview here. All right, we're looking forward to that. Thanks for all the work you do on that, Pastor Jeff, and feeding us and caring for us like that. Israel. Israel. Yeah. Yes, sir. Father God, we thank you again for the privilege to come together here in this place. We know that many things happen on a Sunday morning and can get us distracted on the temporal and the here and now in this present moment, but Lord, we just ask that you would help us lift our eyes and our hearts on the things that are eternal, the things that are lasting, and things that are uh, part of the the larger the larger outworking of your plan. And the ultimate outcome is your glory, Lord. We we know that you're working all these things together for for the good of your people, according to your word. You say that, and yet you also bring them about for the glory of Christ. And we and we just trust that. And we believe that that is happening by faith. When we, when we undergo trials and difficulties and struggles, we we try to keep that in that context, that that perspective. Help us not to um, fall prey to discouragement and hopelessness and losing heart uh, and, and and losing strength. Because Lord, I just pray you just help us to keep those the right perspective in mind of these things. We know that even the situations happening in Israel are brought about by your sovereign hand. You move the hearts of kings and power uh, rulers and powers that be and um, 
as unstable as things would appear from the earthly perspective, you are the king in heaven who's seated firmly on your throne. There's nothing that escapes your notice or gaze or even your direction. You're bringing these things all together in a way that perfectly aligns with your word. And uh, Lord, we just assure ourselves of these things and remind ourselves of these things so that we're not terrified, we're not easily moved, we're not shaken, we're not disturbed, uh, for our heart is uh, trusting entirely in you. Help us to live accordingly. This is opportunity time for us to, to show forth the light of Christ, the hope of the gospel, the precious uh, news of, of salvation and redemption that's in Christ. Help us to be uh, courageous in, this, in these days which, which you live in and not fearful and terrified in any of these ways. Lord, we just uh, pray for those who are in harm's way. I think of those who we know who are downrange, who are uh, potentially in harm's way. And uh, Lord, just pray for protective care over them. Uh, guide them, Lord. Help them be useful in, in, in your way to minister to their fellow soldiers, fellow military people, fellow uh, human beings who are there in the, in the, in the path of destruction. And uh, Lord, I pray the gospel would have free course. And we'll do the work that it's set forth to do. Lord, we pray for Chelsea this morning. We know that uh, there's, there's obviously going to be a, a bit of uh, hesitation and fear, even, with not knowing what happens with, a, with a, a valve replacement, heart surgery, such a young age, Lord. It's, it can be very overwhelming. So, Lord, I pray for her. pray that her heart will be encouraged, that this will be an opportunity for her to strengthen faith in Christ and the confidence that God will care for her and her need. Pray for her family as they minister to her as well. This is a faith-strengthening opportunity and time in their lives, and they look to you, Lord. We thank you for their faith and their, their love for you. Pray for Rick's moms, who's, who, who's uh, undergoing the stroke, who had, went, had already gone over the stroke and now is going through therapy. Pray for quick, re, uh, quick recovery there. And then, Lord, the transition of bringing her out here and all the details related to that, that those challenges um, are real challenges. And just pray that there will be plentiful wisdom um, and that Rick's mom will come to terms with that and perhaps even just yield to, the, to, yield to your will in that way and make this a, a helpful time and a sweet time even. Lord, we pray for Nathan Navarro. We're, we're heart, our hearts are heavy for him. We want to see him come to full uh, apprehension of the faith, to, to, to fully embrace that for himself, to, to fully confess you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, I just pray that, you're, that you'd be uh, helping him, uh, give him light, help his, help his heart to see, and the gospel to take root in, the, in that life. We thank you for him. Just pray that you'll bless Mark as he ministers there and uh, encounters those, those needed areas. We know there's no heart that's too hard for you to, to not break through, Lord, if you will and choose to do that. I pray you would. And Lord, we also pray for Karis' uh, sister, Krista, moving to a new location, thankful for her church and being plugged in there, doing well in that, in that respect, but there's challenges of finding home and, and getting settled into a new community where her values may not be affirmed and just pray that you go with her. Help her have the, the clear confidence of your accompaniment and your grace as she goes. And uh, help her find the right roommate that she needs. All those needs are, are fully before you. And uh, we're looking for you to, and by faith, trusting you to provide for them. 
Lord, we thank you for this, this wonderful series we're learning in 2 Corinthians and all the wonderful themes that there are here for us, rich, rich blessings, truths that we don't want to just affirm mentally or verbally, but that we want to actually affirm with our, our life and, uh, and, uh, and, and bringing them to bear upon real situations that we face each day. Thank you for the grace that's sufficient, the strength that's sufficient in times of need, in times of our weakness. And we count you faithful for that, Lord. Thank you for all the many blessings. And for Pastor Jeff as he prepares and has prepared for us. We pray that our hearts will be open to receive the things we hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, I forgot to hand these out. Did you want to talk about this? I mentioned Yes, we have a few <clears throat> clipboards we're going to pass around. <laughs> One is for ministry setup team. I guess they need additional helpers. I gotta say, Jim, yesterday too, the that we had the B team on the grill yesterday. I told them for a B team, they did a good job. But we miss you and Steve were out, so our A team was out that day. Um, so ministry center tear up, tear down teams that need. I guess that's that. We're wearing out people with the tear up and tear down. We need some fresh bodies, apparently, to move things around. That's one clipboard. Thanksgiving Fellowship Meal. Uh, as you've probably heard in the announcements, that there's um, the church providing the drinks and the meat. We provide the vegetables, stuffing, corn, mac cheese, etc. So we'll sign up for that. And then there's Baby Shower for Carrie Clark, which is tomorrow evening, walk-in between 6.30 and 8.30. Now, if you already signed up for these on another platform, don't do it again. Otherwise, it's going to double somewhere. They're not going to cross-reference names. So if you've already signed up for these, you don't need to do it here. But I, I'll start. Here, Mark, I know you want to do the set up, yeah. tear up, tear down. So do well, this is the only time we're egalitarian. Yes. We won't hear it now. You don't want to start it on this side over here. There you go. That way. Here, you say you shower. Yeah, that's being off the road. Hey, it's after dark. If my wife calls, I will be there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so one one small bit of housekeeping since everyone is is here. I get teased a lot in pastoral staff about the fact that family life is never here on time. Because we met with the security team, they won't lock the doors, and they can't lock the doors because family life comes too late, and it says, Brody's like, I don't understand, abundant, Brody says, I don't understand, abundant life, you know, I've told, you know, we've walked through abundant life, that I've, I've taught them how to get here on time, and Mark's like, my family life, they just don't care, is that what you said, or something like that, or, no, he, basically he says, no, they're, they're on the 9.30 time clock, so, 9, 9.15, <coughs> A few people come on time, like I say on time, Matthew was here today. Thank you, Matthew, for Then I had, uh, I think, uh, Darren, Scott's after that. So that's the window to kind of come and fellowship. You know who comes, you know who comes in at 9 o'clock are the, those people who don't know that you can come in later. So that means usually the guests and visitors are there coming in early. And 9.15 is really should be like, okay, let's get this started, prayer request, get everybody rolling. So that's really just encouraging you. Uh, that's my harsh rebuke. Uh, no, but seriously, that's kind of the time frame we're trying to work with so we get started at 9.15. 
Well, given that, given that, I wasn't very optimistic that we're going to be able to, at first they want to lock the door at 915. I said, well, 915 might be cutting it closed for a handful. I think one Sunday, eight of you got locked outside. So uh, I think they're working on having somebody locking the door, but having someone at the door to open up, I think is the game plan. So otherwise, I said, well, they'd go through the door, children's ministry door, and walk through the maze downstairs up around three rooms and two doors later and come up here. I said, nah, that's not going to work either. So, so they're going to have an usher at the door to open the door once if someone comes. Uh, and we have other things that happen. You know, we have the choir. Sometimes it gets over here late if they're singing. We have, so there's a lot of other things going on. Uh, so obviously you have to balance safety and, and, uh, and functionality and, and, and be able to function as a, as a church as well. So they're trying to balance those two things. But it would be helpful if we kind of got here within that 915 mark rather than closer to the 930, 930 window. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, reading the first six verses today. It's, um, it's, really, it's really fitting in many ways to, to walk, through this, walk through this text after, after the, the day of service, really, yesterday with the, with the fall festival and the dozens. I don't know if there's 40... 50 church people that come and help set up, manage the place during the day, uh, clean up. There, there is no way, I've told this issue before in announcement time, there's just no way that we can run that event without the church and the volunteers. And so that's been just a big, a big day of service. And I, ta- I say that because he's going to talk about the ministry that he has. And, and twice in this passage, he's going to talk about, hey, I don't lose heart. Well, when he says that, it's because obviously there's a temptation to lose heart. In ministry, in service, and he's going to address that. Last week we walked through the end of chapter three and kind of giving us context with the covenants because <clears throat> at the end of chapter three he talks about the new covenant and the more glorious. We thought the word glory that's repeated here at the end of chapter three talks about the new covenant and the more glorious covenants. We walked through a little bit our covenants last uh, last week, kind of give a, a refresher course on giving us context there. And the broad significance of it, and the God of all glory, and the old versus the new glorious covenant. So, talked about the how the new talked about how the new covenant brings hope, brings liberty. Uh, and today, the God of all ministry, He introduces these first six verses. So let's go ahead and read these verses together, and really today, kind of, kind of walk through. Why, why do we lose heart in service, and what is, what is Paul's framework for service? And the word ministry here is the word we'll see listed here, but the word minister is the word diakonia, which is the word service. And actually, even in missions, I do, I do often a comparison in missions. There's, there's a missionary that's sent out by the church to fulfill a mission, and there's those who serve in ministries, which means they go and serve in one capacity or another, and some people do that. Uh, I talked to one young lady. She went to want to go to China to teach English and just be a Christian presence there in the school. That's wonderful. That's a ministry. You're serving the Lord in that capacity. That's a wonderful thing. And so there are many ways that uh, we can serve, and certainly we're all called to serve. 
So that I, I would hope that that's, that's a fundamental understanding that everyone is called to serve. We all, we are, we're all called to minister. We're all ministers of the gospel. Uh, and we minister one towards one to another. And, and within that framework, some of the framework that Paul gives us here is why and how he does not lose heart in, in doing ministry. So look at verse 1, and we'll read through these first, first six verses. He goes, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. And verse 5 here is, is, is a beautiful verse. I use this in our, one of our prayer letters early on um, in the early years of our ministry. It says, For we proclaim... For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He begins by describing, he says, therefore we have this ministry by the mercy of God. We're, I mentioned, I, I trust that we all understand fundamentally believe and understand we're all called to minister you have you've been gifted and you've been called to serve the body serve the gospel serve for the purpose of edifying other believers and serve for the purpose of strengthening and growing the church and the body of christ the word being used is a word that we'll find in this root, the word deacon, which is a word to serve. So on someone the other day, we're talking about ministry. It says, listen, when you're in ministry, there's nothing glorious about ministry. Now when a missionary comes home, and sometimes he gets recognized for, for ministry, and sometimes it seems like, oh, we're praising the missionary. Went to one church. I said, he's Westover. They support us for years, and he talked about making us feel uncomfortable. So they wouldn't present the missionary. So the lights went out. Big spotlight at the back of the church and had all the missionaries walk up with the spotlight on stage like wow what is you know it's like very uncomfortable so that's that's very unusual you know that's not exactly the way things are normally handled but ministry there's nothing glorious when it comes to ministry because ministry is only being a servant and the more you serve the more you're a servant and the more you're a slave and and the broader your responsibility the broader your, your service is to more people. It's not uh, anything that you walk away, boy, I just, you, you feel the weight of serving. And he, he describes it. He was, I find it interesting the fact that he, he alludes twice. He says it here, right? He says in verse, verse 1, we do not lose heart. Look at verse 16, same chapter. He, he kind of wraps up his thoughts here, and we'll get on this passage next week. He says, so, he says again, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, getting you know, by physically wearing down, but my inner self is renewed daily. So he talks about twice about not losing heart in in ministry, losing heart in service, and that's kind of what I want to 
to address today and kind of walk through that. Why is it we lose heart in service? Are we serving? Are you serving? What capacity are you serving? And what causes us to be tempted not to serve or to give up on our, on our service? When we talk about service, we're talking about that which is useful, that which is uh, of service to others for the sake of the gospel. The quicker we discover that it's not about us, it's kind of like your kids, right? When they're young, the younger they are, the more immature they are, the more immature they are, the more self-centered they are. I mean, you know, they go through that phase, and some of you have kids through that phase. They go through that phase where what yours is mine, what mine is mine, and it's a toy, whatever is my sphere. Don't touch it. I'm not playing with it, but don't touch it because it's mine. I mean, you go through that phase, and what you realize in adulthood, it doesn't always change very quickly. It just takes on different, different phases and different shades, but kind of the same, the same concept, you know, and so... The idea of, of, of service is this description given here, and how do we um, are encouraged by that. i got a few verses here, and I'll, I'll walk through these, and I'll just, I didn't put them on here. I just want to read through them. Second Timothy 4, he says, Pick up Mark and bring him to me, for he is useful to service for me. And these are the same words being used here in, in Second Corinthians, as used throughout Scripture to, divide, to describe service. Uh, in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, in the next chapter, we're going to be talking about, he, said, he talked about uh, the ministry, how we have the ministry of reconciliation. We serve to reconcile people to Christ. Uh, Acts 20, Paul speaks of his desire to not count his life of any account. You know, I don't, I don't really have a life verse per se, but I do in, in my notebook this year. Uh, I put two, two verses that I have before me this year, and one is, is Acts twenty twenty four the other one Second Corinthians one eight nine, uh, but Acts twenty twenty four is two verses I have for myself before throughout the year. He said, "I don't count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord to testify of the gospel of the grace of God." He describes just the the desire to to serve. I count my life. Worthy only to the extent of the blessing of being able to serve the Lord. One thing I want to sometimes jump ahead when I, when I know what he's saying here. Let me just say this, this so we don't lose, lose it in our study today. The reason why Paul maintained his heart for service is because he never lost the sight of his salvation. He never lost sight of his salvation. He always goes back and references the road to Damascus and how the light shone and he was blinded, but he saw. He never lost sight of that. That's why he describes in that first verse, having this ministry what by the mercy of God. He never lost sight that serving God was an act of mercy on the part of God because he revealed himself to him. I tell you what, whenever you and I lose heart for serving, it's just... I'm jumping through all my notes. Whenever you and I lose heart for service, it's because we lost sight of the mercy of God in our lives. And we've started taking salvation for granted. We start taking God for granted. We start taking what we have for granted. We take healthy kids for granted. We take a healthy financial home for granted. And we lose sight of what Paul never lost sight of when he was knocked off that horse and said, and the light of God shone and he in that instant, saw what he could not see before, and God changed his life. He never lost sight of that. You and I, we lose sight of that very easily because we live our lives in, 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 in ways where we 
for the most part, serve ourselves on a daily basis. And we lose sight of this. So he, he describes this, and you walk through Scripture. First Corinthians 12, he just taught them already in the previous letter to this church that you've been given many gifts, different gifts. He tells them in, in chapter 12 there are a variety of ministries, he says, as to the same Lord. He's telling the church in the previous letter to them, he says, you've all been gifted differently for what? For the purpose of ministering, of service as unto the Lord. You've been given the ability to serve the body of Christ. And he, he walks through that, and there's uh, <clears throat> a number of, of other verses that you can uh, bring out in Scripture that, that underlines that point. I know that those of us who, who serve, let's say, serve in full-time capacity can experience that, but this, this losing heart in ministry or this aspect of service is for every one of us. It's not, I know we have a, a full-time vocational role, non-vocational roles, you know, you, you don't see, I, I know there's some distinction in the scripture, but for the most part, it's about you and I called to serve the Lord, being equipped to do it, and doing it in a way that is fitting and not losing heart in doing so. Spurgeon, in writing, this is one of Spurgeon's quotes, he was writing to his, uh, those preparing for ministry specifically, in this case, in his, um, the minister's fainting fits is what is where he wrote this. He says, Our work, when earnestly undertaken, lays us open to attacks in the direction of depression. He says, you know, when, when you, you notice he says earnestly. Listen, you could, you could give lip service to the Lord, and, and, you know, the extent of your service is bringing a bag of candy for, uh, for a Reformation fair. He's talking about much more than that. When you really dig in and you earnestly undertake to serve the Lord, you're, uh, you open yourself up to direction of depression. Who can bear the weight of souls without sometimes sinking to the dust? Passionate longings after men's conversions, if not fully satisfied, consume the soul with anxiety, disappointments. To see the hopeful turn aside, waxing more bold in sin, are not these sights enough to crush us to the earth? The kingdom comes, not as we would. The reverent name is not hallowed as we desire, and for this we weep. Let me just tell you, the, the more you dig into ministry and the deeper you go in ministry, the weightier it becomes. Because you're, you're walking alongside people that are, that are struggling. And you face disappointments. You face sin. Some of the great... I've seen more missionaries leave the field because they were discouraged because of unfulfilled expectations in someone that they'd poured into. A good friend of mine, he, was, he had a ministry near Bayou in the Normandy side, near uh, the D-Day on that side of the coast. Poured 10 years to a young man. Was supposed to take over the work, and he just poured into him. And the missionary's name is Pete. And Pete, good guy, solid guy. But boy, the day that, that young man... And for, for all we can tell, we were on that side of the country, so we'd seen him different meetings and different things. But the day that young man walked away from his wife, <clears throat> had an adulterous affair, started saying Pete was the problem in his life and just turned away from Christ and turned and walked away from everything, Pete got crushed and left the field after being there, I think, 15 years. I don't know that there's anything more burdensome to pour into someone's life and to feel the weight 
of, of their sin and wanting them to excel. I can't tell you how many times I, walking through even my, my role in family life, desiring more for people out of family life. Man, you know, people that are, are they commit, would they committed, would they step up for the Lord? And is this weight that Paul feels, let me just say, this is not reserved for an, a full-time vocational ministry people. One thing I don't, one thing I, I don't know how Mark does it in counseling. Because day in, day out, what do you hear? When no one comes to you, I've come for counsel because I'm doing great. <laughs> I've got it all figured out, so I want you just to help me walk through this again. <laughs> I tell you what, name after name after name after name. Let me just say, though, this is not reserved for a spiritual elite people. This is reserved for every one of us who's called to serve the Lord. And the deeper you go in serving the Lord, the more you're going to get in the murk of people's lives and the more you're going to want to come alongside them and help them and the more weight you'll feel that comes with that. Honestly, some people spiritually never get there. They they they're they're over here living their lives, and they give some they give something to God over here, but not enough to really rock their world. Not enough to really come trouble their routines. Not enough to really mess up what they're really doing over here. But just just enough to to maybe how hey, I pray for you to walk away from it. Paul embraces the weight. We've already gone through the, the, the first three chapters, and he's already walked through the, the weight, and all he's gone through from Ephesus all the way to Corinth. And he, twice here, you know, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. Why? Because the temptation is and can easily be to lose heart. And certainly Paul understands that more and better than most. Jeff? Yes. I'm just going to add a little thing because it's wonderful you said he never lost track is mercy the mercy of God and so salvation is true. But I find that people tend to serve for an outcome rather than just be faithful in their service. So the reason they don't shrink back or lose heart is that his faithfulness and his call was more important than outcome of his work. And if people if we could just stay focused on what we need to be faithful in. I think about parenting. I raised six kids, and I can tell you it's exhausting over and over again. There's no reason I look this way. Uh, you really look <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he's, way, he's back down the back wall, way over there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you're right. It's, it's like we have these expectations of an outcome, and God really called us to be faithful. That's it. He... He, he gives a framework that, one, talks about not the first thing I put down, serve, serve with heart. Paul served with great boldness. Actually, he addresses what, what Mark just mentioned here when he talks about, in the following verse, about not walking in craftiness, adulterating the word. In other words, he, his focus is not trying to manipulate the word, but to speak the word and speak truth. And not to try to, in his own devices. And we talked about peddling the word, right, in the previous, uh, back in chapter, even back in chapter 2. He talks about here of, you know, serve this, this ministry of the new covenant, this glorious new covenant that we have that's been unveiled for us. Serve 
serve the Lord with, with all of your heart. I think one thing that's, that makes it really discouraging is when we serve God half-heartedly. It's kind of like when you, you take medication and it says you need, you need to take so many ounces of this, and I'm going to take a quarter of that. Then you walk away from like, well, I wasn't really cured. Well, yeah, you didn't take the real dose that was needed to feel better. And mean people take just a quarter dose of Christianity, and they don't feel better because they don't really do what they're doing wholeheartedly as, as unto the Lord. What is, what is disheartening? What, why is it easy to get disheartened in serving in ministry? And some of you have been serving in, in children's ministries and many other capacities around the church, in the school, other places. Why does it get, or how can it get disheartening to, to, be, to be serving? Yes, sir. Well, I, I think it's like you said, um, prior, I, I'm a high school teacher, special ed. And, uh, but prior to that, I did commercial construction supply management type stuff. And looking, comparing the two, being able to go into an office and look at sets of plans and joke with people at the water cooler, all of that, you know, hour for lunch, <laughs> go back to me anytime you want to. <laughs> Compared to now, uh, my wife teaches also. We swim in the the uh, problems of people. We see our kids, the, the kids that we teach, the homes that they go home to. We see the struggles that they have, and we just swim in it all day long. Mm-hmm. And it's it wears you out. I mean, like you said, you know, people don't come to you for counseling because everything's going great. So it, it is a burden because you don't you can't just compartmentalize it and put it off at the end of the day. You you're aware yeah. of all of that. And you just live it. So it's tough. Somebody else, why 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 do are we prone to get disheartened? I think Mark may have mentioned expectations. Unmet expectations, Jim. We don't think anybody appreciates what we do. We don't think anybody appreciates what we do. You only hear from them if something isn't done the way they want. I mean, in yesterday's corralled everybody around the fall festival, you're going to hear about what? Well, thankfully there are people that are grateful, but then it's, oh, parking's terrible, or the Wi-Fi's terrible. Do you ever hear that, Nathan? When is like time someone's just come, Nathan, I just want to let you know, that Wi-Fi today was, was really rocking. No, it's, man, my phone's still spinning. What's wrong? In, in Paul's context, what, what adds, in, in Paul's context, what could have been disheartening for him, specifically even as it relates to, to the Corinthian church? What was disheartening? What could have been disheartening to him? Your name, your reputation. There's something specific about your reputation, right? I mean, you you want to you want to protect your name. You don't. It's one thing to deal. It's one thing to deal with a, a, a problem that needs to be fixed. It's something else when someone says that you have evil intents, and you're you're busting your tail, working ten hour days, eleven hour days, and then someone says, "Oh, yeah, you guys are lazy." You know. 
pastors only work two hours a week. Ha, ha, ha. You know, it's like, is that, and now, now not only are you over here like he was, being under immense pressure of ministry, serving, and then they're over here questioning his motive. Man, why didn't you come back? You said you'd come back. Where were you? Yeah, you don't really, not, you don't really love us. He's like, you know, I got the bruises to show. And it's that, that sense of not feeling uh, appreciated. And many people, I'd say almost everybody, when they step into ministry or accept and embrace a ministry role of some kind, uh, they do so with, a, with good intentions, good desires. They don't necessarily go there. I'm going I'm to do this to get validation. But as the wear and tear comes... And you're tired, and you're worn out, and you've uh, and you're sick, and you have all these other pieces coming out, and just kind of at some point. So you're over here trying to work, but then your refrigerator broke down, and your car broke down, and your wife broke down, and you know the whole the, the, uh, and, and then all all that kind of and one and then I, then then somebody comes and says, "Yeah, I didn't get anything out of your lesson today." <laughs> so. Isn't it, isn't it, it's easy to get disheartened in ministry when our heart is not anchored in the right place. The beauty, and that's where I, I, I wrote down just a few things here, false accusations, his motives were questioned, unresponsive believers and unresponsive unbelievers, uh, blinded hearts, the snares of the devil, which is he references here, unmet expectations, there are many, many reasons why we can get, we can lose heart, as he describes here in this passage, and yet he didn't. So what keeps, what truth keeps Paul's heart anchored? And this is what I mentioned a little bit earlier. Paul never got over his salvation. He never got over how undeserving he was. He was able to say, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I don't deserve any of this. He never got over what act of mercy on behalf of God he had, and he, the recipient of the mercy of God, knowing that, knowing what he knew, no sacrifice was too great, no price was too high, no obedience was too demanding in light of the radical experience in salvation. I'll put that question for, for myself here. Have you gotten over your salvation? The best indicator as to whether or not you've gotten over your salvation is how you serve others. How can you tell? Well, when someone grows a little more selfish, a little more self-centered, you know, where they just everything centers around them, and we again we, we serve, but only if it fits within my very narrow calendar of events. I'll serve if it fits just right. If I got that little that little, and I you know I've got my um, Microsoft Outlook calendar. I got my little blocks of schedules out. Now if, I, if it could fit right there, ah, there's an empty block. Okay, and yeah, I, I could do that. But not anything that's going to change the dynamics of what I'm doing. Not anything that's going to come rock my world. Not anything that's going to really come and and force me to change what I'm doing. Again, he reiterates this a little bit later in, in the chapter. We'll, we'll look at that next week. In the end of the chapter, he talks about the outer man decaying 
I didn't relate to that at all. So that's because I just turned 55 recently. No, no, none of that yet. You know, teasing with Matt over here because Matt is talking about this product he has that helps rejuvenate. I says, man, I'm 55. What, what could go wrong? I said, you're getting old. What are you talking about? I'm getting old. I don't need any. I don't need anything right now. But I, after yesterday, I asked James if he was sore this morning after moving bouncies. After yesterday, being on my feet all day, walking around, I said, okay, okay, I can feel this. But what Paul, and how many times Paul says, I, I would prefer to be with Jesus, but since I'm not with him, I'll serve him. Faithfully, in full anticipation of his return. So though, yes, losing heart is a real risk to every one of us who serves the Lord and ministers to others, First of all, we're all called to do that within the gift that God's given to us. Two, we're all tempted to lose heart because our heart is no longer anchored on him and is anchored on either validation or response or so many of these other things. But serve with, with truthfulness. He serves with truthfulness, and this is where we go into this uh, verse 2. He talks about we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Clearly, again, because he addresses this a number of times, clearly manipulating scripture was an issue. We saw that when he spoke of not peddling right in chapter 2. We see it here again. He says he rejects deceit, rejects hidden motives, hidden methods, wrong methods. And he'll, he'll use that example again. He'll come back to that in chapter 11 and speaking of how the devil operates. The devil operates in cunning and deceitful ways, and he'll address that a little bit later in, in his letter. I did put down in my own thoughts here. It says, all methods that are cunning or with hidden motives are self-serving in nature. Every time I use methods that are, are, are to manipulate, that are deceitful, that are uh, that, that that taste scripture and manipulate scripture. Even when I do that, all this is self-serving in nature. Ministry is anything but self-serving. And when we're and we minister truth, we speak truth because we're not trying to manipulate towards an outcome. We're not trying to manipulate people's behavior. We're not trying to manipulate something and, and be cunning. And, and in our methods and our motives, our motives are pure. Our, our, our methods are faithful to God's word because we're concerned about one and one only thing is serving the Lord faithfully and speaking truth and speaking truth, of course, in love. Paul was convinced, and he says this as he ends his thoughts here in this in verse 2. He was convinced that by being open and truthful, people would acknowledge that his ministry was one of integrity. He talks about uh, committing himself to everyone's conscience in the sight of God, seeing that he they could see that what he did was for their good and not his own. And he served uh, He served in that way. Let me tell you when, you, when you serve for selfish reasons, you get discouraged. You do. When you serve for self-serving reasons, you get discouraged. But when you serve as unto the Lord, what is there to get discouraged about? The results are his. He's sovereign. He reigns. He fulfills his purposes. And you can rejoice and trust him in, in that. And he says what? He, he ends that part here, 
verse 2, he says what? Conscious what? In the sight of God. His ultimate concern is what? Is what I do in the sight of God. His primary audience was God. How, how can I get discouraged whenever I stand before the Lord and say, Lord, what I give to you, here's my offering. Some people, don't, some people have little wealth to give, but they have a lot of service to give. Serve as unto the Lord. Why? This is this is your offering, and you you do so before Him, and that offering is as is unto the Lord. It's not unto man. So did you know? And, and teaching is a very, very difficult environment because, as as you mentioned, every day, it's you know, and you hear from parents when, well, oh, thank you so much for grading that paper so well. No, why did they get a a minus? You know, and, and the, the the challenges that that surround that. So, but when you do things as unto the Lord, you're giving your offering to who? You're, you're giving it to the Lord. It's His. Take it, Lord. And He expects that, desires that of us. But we're not sitting around thinking, well, am I getting recognition for it? Am I getting paid well enough for it? Am I? Am I? You know. So when then when when someone else gets attention, oh, they didn't mention. You know, I didn't make teacher of the week. Uh, I, I haven't started that at TCS because I'm afraid, you know, how many te- I'm thinking, okay, how many teachers do I have? How many weeks do I have? Because I may actually recognize everybody by the end of the year. Because everybody deserves to be, to be recognized at TCS, anyway. Serve, serve with awareness and perception. He, he says something here that we don't, we don't often speak, we don't often speak to. Because we, our, our primary focus is on the depravity of man, and rightfully so, in our own hearts, right? But he, he makes a reference here. He says, verse 3, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, he says what? The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He talks about here, I put down here, serving with, with awareness, meaning what? Meaning there's the undergirding problem is a spiritual battle that is going on. Now, whenever you see a student giving you a hard time, you're not first and foremost thinking, okay, this is a spiritual battle. You're thinking, okay, they didn't get enough sleep last night. They're, they were up all night with the weed. They are up all night with doing whatever, and uh, they're just tired, and they're lazy, and uh, get your head off the desk, and pay attention, and... I worked hard on this lesson plan, and uh, but don't forget the backdrop of everything is spiritual warfare. Anytime the gospel is being proclaimed, and you're ministers of the gospel, and you're serving in a gospel capacity, there is there is a spiritual realm and a spiritual battle taking place. So it's not just is that parent a little bit annoying because you know they they they. Their kids are crazy, and you're working the nursery, and they're they're smacking you, slapping you, pulling your hair, throwing stuff on you. I had to go work on, with a little kid last week, cute little boy, but spitting and kicking his teacher as a four year old. And uh, so, I had a good sit down talk with him, and uh, I I, I kind of enjoy talking to little boys like that because I, I kind of sit down and I do the the mean guy. That's my you know my kids warn me, Dad, you look mean. You look. You look mad. Well, sometimes you gotta, you better look a little bit mad, right? So he's he's a cute little cute little kid. But I sat down there and scolded him pretty good, and, and he got big eyes, you know. And 
So this past week, I go back into class every day. Hey, how you doing? We got me doing good. And now you just kind of now you, you just walk through every day, walking through with him. But there, there, there's much more than just as he misbehaving. There's a whole spiritual dimension, and there is an adversary who doesn't want him to see, doesn't want him to have the knowledge of truth, doesn't want him to have the light shine into his heart. I'm going to end here because our, 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 time is, our time is up. One beautiful thing, we'll, we'll hit this next week. He ends this section here, verse, verse 6. I thought this was just a beautiful picture. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. He makes a parallel here, and we'll come back on it next week. He makes a parallel between what? Between the God, creator God in Genesis, who says, Let there be light on the earth. And the God of salvation that has to, in the same way, come and say, let there be light in the heart of man. Because the same darkness pervades the earth before light came. And the same darkness pervades the heart of man until the light of God shines to your heart. So a beautiful picture that we'll, we'll pick, up with, pick up with next week. Father, give us hearts to serve you, Lord. I was served at a young, I was saved at a young age and didn't have the, the life transformation that Paul experienced. And yet, may I wake up daily fully aware of the blessing and the grace of God to have knowledge, to see, to not be blinded. Thank you, Lord, so much for revealing yourself to me and to reveal yourself to so many. May, Lord, with that, may I not lose heart in serving you, but serve you fully and completely. Reminded that I'm serving before the audience of one, my God and Savior. Lord, thank you for these words. Thank you for Paul, for laboring through this, for setting the example for us as to what it means to serve under such circumstances and not lose heart in doing so. May we find our area of service. May we never get over our salvation. And Lord, may we just serve you fully and completely, Lord. Bless this day. Bless these families. In your name we pray. Amen. Martha.